We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast here for a Saturday Q&A. Q&A, hello. Q&A, like we always do on uh, Saturday morning. So excited to uh, dive into some questions. We do have some Patreon questions to start with today for, uh, you know, the first time in a little bit. So we'll, we'll dive into those first and then we'll kind of, you know, open it up to the chat as we always do. Uh, first and foremost, Stephen Gillard, new member. Welcome. Thanks for joining in. Uh, and this is officially the last hour in which you can go enter our Isaiah Spiller jersey giveaway. So uh, after this is over, we'll be announcing that winner. So go uh, join that up if you haven't yet. That being said, joining me today are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing? And are you all packed and ready for Hawaii? I'm doing very well. I'm not even close to pack for Hawaii. That said, I only need about four things. So I'll be pretty good to go pretty soon. Yeah, a couple of swimsuits, a couple of t-shirts, and you're you're all good. A couple of travel things, and, and you know you're all set. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereabouts in Hawaii are you going? Uh, we'll be flying into Kona on the Big Island, and then we'll just be mm-hmm. take a rental car, kind of travel around there. So you know, she's been to Maui, I've been to Kauai. We both have not been to the Big Island together, so we're going there. Very cool. I'm very jealous. I love Hawaii. My uh, my grandpa was uh, stationed in Pearl Harbor back in the day. Nice. Ended up buying a house. So when I was a kid, we used to go out and visit him, uh, you know, a few times every couple of years to Hawaii. So I uh, love that place. I mean, who doesn't love Hawaii? It's, it's hard not to love. Uh, Alex is here as well. Alex isn't in Hawaii, but he is in the Caribbean. Uh, Alex, what's up, man? How you doing? 
Um, tired, studying from finals, sleep deprived. Uh, however, you asked who doesn't like Hawaii, and I've never been to Hawaii, but isn't the flight to Hawaii like really long? I mean, no, from it's California, like, it's like a four hours. Four hours. Oh, yeah. see, that's the difference. Because from where I am on the East Coast, it's like a 12, 13 hour flight or something. Sure. Not doing that. I'm just going to go to Cabo instead. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe from California. Didn't Cabo just be like different. eight hours, nine hours? All right. The point is, I like Mexico better. And so I'm just <laughs> going to stick to that. But uh, no, I've never been to Hawaii. I hope Tyler has fun and I'm ready to get this show on the road. <laughs> yeah, Mexico is uh, Mexico has some great spots as well. Um, obviously, I served my LDS church mission there, so I'm a little biased to Mexico as well. But uh, fun place to go. Where I served my mission was not a fun place to travel to, but uh, loved it nonetheless. Um, all right. So for those who missed the Jersey giveaway, the details are on Twitter. Um, essentially you have to retweet the pin tweet there and then either support and sign up for, uh, sign up and support the show on Patreon or the YouTube membership option. Um, and then there's a certain post on there that you just have to comment a certain phrase. So it's very easy. Uh, we just did this kind of a, as a way to reward those who, uh, support the show on Patreon on YouTube in that fashion. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. We'll do some other Twitter giveaways, YouTube giveaways, and things like that for the general crowd. All right. That being said, we'll jump into our first question from Patreon. Um, the Coors Cowboy wants to know if we think special teams play a large contributing factor for snap counts slash roster building. In, in this case, the fullback room specifically is, is how he wants to know if special teams could give an edge to neighbors or to Xander Horvath. I think it could. And in the end of the day, it should. With that said, neighbors, if he does anything, it's be a half decent special teamer. So I don't think they would grab Horvath just to replace neighbors on special teams. To me, it's just who's the better fullback. I think that just contributes more, which sounds like an easy answer. But to answer your question, I obviously one of them has to be good at, at special teams. If Horvath is awful for whatever reason or is not picking it up, then sure, maybe Neighbors takes that spot. But to me, it's, it's really not like that's not really the point of taking Horvath to be just to get him more involved involved on offense. Yeah, um, I mean, I think special teams could determine a few roster spots. Like if we're debating between Dean Leonard and Kimon Hall to be CB6 at some point, like if that's where we find ourselves, then you can differentiate and be like, oh, well, this guy's sure. better on special teams. Um, I mean, everyone remembers what happened with the wide receivers last year with special teams value. Uh, so, you know, it can differentiate some positions, but I just don't think they would have taken Horvath at all. if They were seriously considering keeping Gabe neighbors on the active roster. Yeah, I think specifically in terms of the fullback, like I think it, I think they are trying to get back to like what they had with Derek Watt, who was a great special teams player and kind of a good fullback option for them i think that's kind of like the baseline for what they want right now is at minimum a, a legitimately good special teams core player and you know seaman anderson certainly improved in that regard but if you're taking you know xander horvath at his best and his elite res score and ideally kind of morphing that into you know Derek watt 2.0 i think that's kind of the goal i think we know at this point that gabe neighbors is not a good special teams player so um, I think in that specific position, it will help Horvath if he's able to kind of hit the ground running on special teams. 
because he he probably is going to be a little bit behind the eight ball uh, in terms of blocking, in terms of receiving, and, and those kind of concepts. You know, he's never really lined up as an H back tight end kind of role before. So offensively, Horvath could have a little bit of a learning curve, but if he's able to, you know, hit the ground running as a special teamer, then I think that absolutely uh, will help him make the roster. Yeah, I just don't see any way that neighbors makes this, but good question. A lot of fullback stuff. I know everybody loves the fullback. Um, I see a couple questions in here in the chat. Um, you know, Tyreek talking about the Peter King power rankings, which is definitely uh, that was a, an article, not a video, by the way, Tyler. Um, and Nate has a question about Staley familiarity, but we'll get to some of these other Patreon questions first. Uh, Justin Reyes wants to know. Why do you think the Chargers chose not to address the right tackle in the offseason? Is it confidence in the improvements Norton slash Pipkins have made, or is it the safety net of having Filer as an option? That being said, who do you think is the game one starter at right tackle? Alex, you want to take that one first? I think it's the safety net of having Filer as an option if they really need to. Um, obviously, you sort of hope Trey Pipkins does develop, right? Um, you know, as much as Tom Telesco is like, hey, you know, we're bullish on Trey Pipkins and all that. Uh, that was last offseason. I do legitimately think they are hoping for that. But in the event that it doesn't work out and it becomes apparent that it didn't work out, you can fall back on Filer at right tackle as opposed to, you know, giving out another contract. Um but, you know, it, it's still early. I, I don't want to say early in the game, but there are quite a few right tackle options still available. If at some point, you know, through training camp, they just realize, OK, this isn't working and we need to do something else. Uh, they can always fall back on that as well. Right. It doesn't seem like Daryl Williams hasn't signed anywhere. Right. No. And Riley Reif has not signed anywhere. So, I mean, there are still options if later on the offseason they decide to change course. I would love for that to be the case. And I think. I guess it could, but to me, I hope they're not, no offense to them, dumb enough to go all through training camp and go, these guys that were terrible tackles for basically their careers are still terrible tackles. Oh, shit, it didn't work out. Let's go get another one. Now, that's where the filer thing comes in. I think that's more their fallback than a free agent, but I don't know, man. I really just think they're going to rock with the guys they have. Now, why didn't they address right tackle? I don't know. I think Staley does defer. Outside of the defensive side of the football, I think he does defer to his coordinators, to the position coaches. So I, I think that he might have wanted Hymas out there, but you know they're like, hey, let's put in Kelamete or whatever. You know, special teams. He clearly, you know, it, um, diverted to Swinton in that regard. So I think in this case, if Nugent came in and said, hey, I'm going to make these two right tackles work, Staley's going to go, okay, I believe you. That's your side of the football. You know, that's your expertise. We're going to rock with that. So I really think it's one of these right tackles i think one of these guys is going to be the starter i think filer as a backup is cool but to me it's just like he's just answering that question and saying it that way for the media members but really i think they really just want one of these two tackle tackles that they have yeah i mean from a roster building standpoint like it you know financially it would be the best case scenario for them if one of these tackles making nine hundred thousand dollars hit and became a good serviceable right tackle um, you know, I've kind of said from the beginning, I feel like if they viewed Storm Norton as somebody that was really a good starter, they would have paid him as such instead of just bringing him back on the tender free agent option. Um, so I would lean towards it being 
Pipkins or Filer at this point, personally. And I think, you know, there's an argument to be made, of course, that, you know, Matt Filer would be the better option. I think the best option for the Chargers, I've said this before, is to get the five best players out there. And for me, that would involve kicking Matt Filer to right tackle. Now, it's early. It's, you know, OTAs. There have not been or but there have not been any pictures of Matt Filer working at right tackle yet. It's all left guard. And the right tackles have always been Norton and Pipkins. Again, early OTAs, of course. But it does seem like they're just going to try and figure out who of those two players is the better option. And frankly, I think they're the same player, like literally the exact same player. And, you know, they'll have some good moments against, you know, poor competition like Pipkins did against the Broncos when everybody was out. I mean, Norton had some good moments throughout the season. I think, like, you look at his game against... The Eagles has a good game, but Brandon Graham wasn't playing in that game. And, you know, they didn't exactly have any great other pass rushers opposite of, uh, uh, you know, playing opposite of Storm Norton. So, and then they'll also have those games against Max Crosby, Micah Parsons, insert elite pass rusher here, where it's going to snowball and they're going to end up giving up 10 pressures a game and and in those situations. So there's a lot of people out there who are like, Trey Pugans is better than Storm Norton. They are the same player. They are the exact same player in terms of production. So this is, frankly, in a really annoying situation that they've put themselves in. Um, but I think that they want to give these guys a chance for whatever reason and see if uh, Brendan Nugent and Sean Surratt can uh, turn them into quality players. I just have my doubts. Yeah, uh, it just kind of feels like they are what they are. I don't see how Pipkins just but he look. He could be better. Norton was dead last in almost every category. So you could get 45 out of 52 this year. But like like you said, they're ba- like they're basically the same at this point. I mean, if you took Norton's three worst games and just made them average games, then you're not talking about the worst production. You're talking about like, you know, 42nd, like Tyler's saying. So it's like really how much of an upgrade are you getting with Trey Pipkins? Whereas if you put Matt Filer out there, We've seen him have legitimately good NFL offensive tackle tape and production. You know, in his full season starting as right tackle, he had, he allowed 24, 25 total pressures, and his pass blocking efficiency rating was nearly the same as it was at this past season at left guard. And those numbers put him middle of the pack, which is what the Chargers need. They need a middle of the pack right tackle, and they have one in Matt Filer. I, I feel like there's every other option they could do makes more sense than what they're going to do. I know. Uh, I know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, again, I'm this it's positivity season. So everyone will tell us, you know, be more <laughs> positive and you know, these guys will make it work. But like, yeah. I don't know. We've just seen this song and dance before, but right. like if they're not a good tackle, they're not a good tackle. I, I rarely see someone who's not a good tackle. And in fact, be a bad tackle. Also be like, Oh, I'm a very good tackle now. Or even average. I guess we can hope for average. Yeah. And I guess that's the point. But still, like you said, get the best five guys out there. I don't think I've seen a Chargers staff take an average-ish tackle and make them, you know, have a real career year since, like, King Dunlap, probably, from the Eagles, when he was just kind of like a extra guy for them. And then they jumped up and became a starting left tackle. But even that was short-lived. So it's just, I don't know. We'll see what they end up doing. You know, Jamari was playing left tackle all year. Switched to right guard in the championship game, gave up like one pressure just because he felt like it. Um, you know, like to me, I, I would aim for something like Zion, Lindsley, Sal- Salyer, and Filer, but 
they're going to go with one of these guys. They think they can help them. Uh, to me, I think that also, talking about the tight ends later, kind of limits what McKitty can do because now instead of having him be your H-back type, you're probably just having him as more of an inline type or somebody that just helps out the right tackle over and over and over again. And so now it's like, okay, well, now we're limiting what McKitty can do. Maybe he's not much of a receiving threat this year. Now we're kind of stuck having to help out Pipkins or Norton or whatever. I don't know. It just does not feel like the best way to maximize your roster. Yeah, I mean, I feel really good about their group of interior players being solidified, right? Like, if anything happens to Filer or Zion, like, I feel good about having Salier and Hymas as those depth options, and Will Clapp certainly as well. Um, so they've they've improved the offensive line. The offensive line will be better just because I think Zion is an upgrade at right guard, even over Odea Bougie, I've said that. Um, and then you have better depth behind them. But at right tackle, it's like, you don't have to settle for this. Like, you don't have to settle for... 42nd out of 45th being an upgrade. So, I mean, I wish they would have been able to bring in, you know, Dennis Kelly, David Questenberry, someone to at least provide like legitimate competition. Because right now it's just like you're having competition, but really, like, what's the point? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we have one more Patreon question from Brady uh, Wooten. He wants to know what we think the snap count share will look like from the tight end room. Of course, the Chargers signing Gerald Everett to uh, take the place of Jared Cook. You have Donald Parham presumably taking another step forward. You have Trey McKitty presumably taking another step forward. Do we see a fourth tight end maybe working in there? What do you guys think here? Uh, I definitely think it's it's possible. Steven Anderson playing, let's see, like, it depends on the week. Obviously, when Parham got hurt, he jumped up more. But generally, around twenty to thirty percent of the snaps. Again, if McKitty is the inline tight end, he's going to stick there. It's not an H back type. Like they might have to carry another H back sort of type. It's another spot for Campboy or, or Crumenhawk or whatever. Uh, Jared Cook, like 60 percent of the snaps. I assume that's just Gerald Everett's role. He just slides right in to that Jared Cook role. That doesn't really change. Donna Parham, about forty to fifty percent of the snaps. That probably doesn't really change. It really becomes interesting to me when you get down to that inline tight end H back type, and they don't really have that. We have to assume that McKitty could be that. We have to assume that Horvath could be that, and I think that's what they drafted him for. We don't really know that yet. So I think whoever wins that third tight end, or excuse me, that H back sort of spot will get more snaps than the fourth tight end, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what plans they have for McKitty. Yeah, I don't know what plans they have for McKitty. I would probably say if we're just sliding Everett into Cook's role, 
I actually think he'll probably increase in snap percentage over Cook just because of his competency as a blocker versus, I mean, that was a big problem yeah, for Jared Cook the last couple of years in particular. Um, Donald Parham probably maintains 40 to 50%. It really depends on if they keep a fourth one, because if they don't, then, you know, McKitty is going to be on the field a lot. If they do, you know, also, you know, do you think that player is as reliable as a Steven Anderson type to the point where you would want them active on game day or are they kind of like a healthy scratch kind of like player just in case? Um, I think for the time being, until we see more from Camp Moyer or more from Kroman Hawk that they end up keeping three um kind of would have liked to have seen them resign steven anderson especially for what the value of that contract was but at this point i i think they probably are stuck with three tight ends yeah i think they'll keep the three tight ends and the fullback in, in horvath and i think you'll have horvath be you know more active i don't think he's gonna like he's not going to step fully into steven anderson's role i think that would be um you know a little egregious if you will i think mckitty kind of takes on the lion's share of that role so i i think we see horvath probably get you know 10 snaps maximum a game on offense and then the rest of it just be kind of special teams this year you know hand the ball off to him you know from time to time and use him as a pass catcher from time to time but i don't think they're gonna come in and, and give xander horvath you know 25 snaps a game because i think there is going to be that learning curve but I think Trey McKitty can certainly handle that. He did a lot of that at Florida State. He did a lot of that at Georgia, a lot of that H-back hybrid stuff. So um, McKitty's used to it, and he looks good, man. He looks like he's added, you know, 5, 10 pounds of muscle or whatever. I, I don't know, but he looks like he's taken a good step forward in his uh, personal development, and, you know, that's to be expected. He was coming off an injury last year, so uh, having a full offseason, I think, it will be good for him. Yeah, there's one, but like, so offensive line – if we had Smith, I'd feel better about whatever they're doing at right tackle, but they don't, so I don't feel so great. This group, whatever they decide to do with this tight end group, I'm all for. Tight end, fullback group, run game coordinator, whatever. Uh, Kevin Coger, I full faith in what he can do. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Coger, I hope everybody enjoys the final year of having Kevin Coger on staff because he yeah. uh, probably get an offensive coordinator job next year after getting two interviews this year to uh, you know take that step up. So really excited about this group. I, you know, this group is so young so athletic i think all three of them can really give you a boost in in their specific roles so i'm really excited to see what uh year two under kevin coger holds for this group all right well uh we mentioned it earlier we'll talk about tyreek uh mckeithen i'm gonna say i'm gonna guess mckeithen mm-hmm. um apologies if i pronounced that wrong of course but uh he wants to know our thoughts on peter king having the chargers number two in his power rankings are was uh this came out last Monday for Peter King. He always does uh, Monday morning quarterback. Or right now, that's uh, football morning in America or something like that. I can't remember the exact yeah. title anymore. Um, anyway, Peter King for NBC had the Chargers at number two in his power rankings. He loves what the Chargers have done in the offseason. Believes that they have improved the most out of any team. And I think he just really believes in Justin Herbert. So, Alex, what do you make of uh, Peter King having the Chargers number two? I think for what it's worth, the Chiefs were right behind them at number three. I want to say the Broncos were number nine and the Raiders were like number 10 or 11. So uh, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, no. I mean, I'd love <laughs> to put the Chargers number two. And if, if we're talking about projecting this out to where they could be by the end of the season, I don't think them being number two is impossible. But just looking at this Peter King list that we have, 
I mean, what part of the Chargers roster is as complete as the Rams? Like, and the Rams just are coming off of the Super Bowl. I don't think they got really got worse outside of losing Von Miller. Um, I think the Rams got worse. I, I mean, I think they're worse, but significant enough worse for the Chargers to jump them at this point. I think that's a little too early to say, especially considering uh, just their offensive structure. Uh, and they do still have enough on defense. You have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. I think that's kind of all you need. Um, yeah, it, it's a little too early for me for the Chargers to be a two. I think they can, They there's an argument for them to definitely be top five. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just looking at this Peter King list, right? So Buffalo is number one. You have Chiefs, Rams, then Packers, three, four, five. Um, I think where I would probably put the Chargers is like around the six or seven range, somewhere around like Tampa Bay, Cincinnati at this point. Um, that's kind of where I would put the Chargers. But I I think it's a little too early for number two, dog. Yeah, I guess if we're talking about roster, sure, I, I could see that, but to me they just have, they have to earn this you can go ahead and put them at number two or, or even number one if they come out of the gate and they beat the raiders and the chiefs let's say even that is a little early but at least you've seen uh-huh. this team beat two you know i think probably two top 10 teams in here certainly the third team uh i just think they have to earn it even if the roster you could argue is, is top two mm-hmm. yeah i just don't they have to earn it and i think the rams deserve even though they got worse i think they deserve to be ahead of the chargers i think I could see the Chargers being ahead of the Chiefs, to be completely honest, because the, the Chargers do contend with the Chiefs pretty well. And I think the roster is much better and the Chiefs got worse. But still, like Green Bay, Tampa Bay, you know, I think the Chargers at fifth or, or so makes sense to me. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. definitely not putting them behind the Bengals. Baltimore is interesting. And we get the Eagles here at number nine. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know. I, oh, I, I the just, Niners at 10. Interesting. It's hmm. probably the yeah, it's probably the yeah, the quarterback situation. Debo. I guess he's assuming Debo is up in the air still. Yeah. I, I, I meant that being that, high. That, um oh really? Yeah. I mean, well, they're, they're gonna take a big step back at quarterback. Are they? Um are they? Is I Jimmy G might still be the quarterback. Dude, Trey Lance is gonna struggle, man. Trey Lance, he's gonna be an effective runner, but I mean, he didn't have a junior season in, at North Dakota State. Like, he's going to struggle as a passer. I don't yeah. know if he's going to play this year. That's kind of my they thing. Can't, they like, can't. They can't keep Jimmy in his twenty-five million dollar price tag, man. They got to cut him or trade him. That's what we've been saying for the last couple months, though. I mean, even going into last offseason, that was a thing. Um, Sixteen. I mean, I think there's a few issues here, right? You know, Peter, like for me, like if you're gonna do off-season power rankings, like I feel like you have to have the two teams that played in the Super Bowl as one and two. Like I, I just think that's kind of how I Jeez. view things, and um, I think having him having the Chargers at number two is is cool. Like I think he's really high on what the Chargers have done, and I am as well. Um, but I, I think you've got to have some kind of mix of what happened last year and what the teams yeah. have done, and like the Bengals at seven. I mean, as much as I would love to just shit on the Bengals as much as possible, but you know, they're a good team. They made it to the Super Bowl and then they improved their offensive line, which is really their biggest weakness. So 
Right. I think in the in May when you're doing power rankings, I just feel like you've got to have the Super Bowl teams at least in the top five. And you know, I, I think the Chargers probably should be in the five, six, seven range. Um, like Tyler, I feel like they kind of have to earn being number two as opposed to just having a good amount of hype and being in the top five or seven or eight. And I also think the Ravens are too low, but that's just me. I will say about the Bengals, like I do think I get why you would put them at two or in the top five as a result of winning the Super Bowl. But like they did sort of get lucky in the AFC. 100%. Like, 100%. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they they really, I mean, the Titans blew that game. Um, I Ryan Tannehill just, I, I don't understand. I still Chiefs don't understand what happened there. And the Chiefs blew that big lead that they had. Um so, like, in a sense, I could see Cincinnati roster-wise, even though they did upgrade their offensive line, why they would be at seven. Um, you know, and again, like, the whole playoffs, as opposed to, like, the NBA playoffs, is just one game simulation, and, you know, whoever wins, wins, right? It's sudden death. So, do you really figure out who's the better team from that? You know, I, I still wouldn't say the Bengals better than the Chiefs, even though they won that game. Um, so, yeah, no, I... I kind of generally agree with this top 10. Like I just think with the chargers, it's also like we have to see the improvements they've made, right? Like you can put them at number two, you know, after they win the first two, three games or number two by the end of the season, but it's also like, okay, they've added all these pieces on the defensive line, but we still have to see the run defense get better. Right. I mean, every national commentator, like the first thing they say about the chargers is Herbert bad run defense last year. Right. So, I mean, you know, I think you just kind of have to see how that plays out first. I do think it'll be better. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just think it's a little too early for them to be too. Yeah. And someone pointed this out about the Rams. I mean, they lost Andrew Whitworth too. So their that's, offensive that's line is going to be significantly yeah. worse. They lost Austin Corbett. So I think the Rams will take a step back, but I still think that they'll be very much in the mix. I mean, the NFC is a shit show after the top four. Yep. So they'll make the playoffs probably win a playoff game, but I don't think that I don't think they have a good chance of repeating it in with this kind of, you know, makeshift at offensive line and, and what they've lost in Vaughn Miller. Cause Vaughn Miller had like 20 pressures and five sacks in the playoff run for them. And yeah. Leonard Floyd is not that. That's true. No Vaughn Miller, no Sebastian Joseph day, no OBJ, which eh. uh, at Whitworth, no woods. A mm-hmm. um, bunch of people talking about Ode Abushi. I I don't think he's coming back. I think we can confidently say that he is going to be moving on unless something happens. Like if yeah somebody gets injured, then sure. But I think he made it pretty clear that after they drafted Zion that he was probably not going to come back. And uh, he thinks that he should be a starter, and I agree with him. And I don't think he should sign with the team unless he has a good chance at starting. So... You know, theoretically, could he start over Jamari Sawyer if they kick Filer to right tackle? Sure. But I think the Chargers need to be able to have some time to kind of sort that situation out. And then Ode, of course, has to get healthy. Right. That's the thing. Even if he comes back, I know his whole video was on the road to recovery to be able to play week one. I don't know if the Chargers can wait around and, you know, wait for him to just be ready for week one at this point. Um, Brad is very high, apparently. Brad, enjoy your uh, Saturday 9.30 in the morning high. Already? <laughs> uh, you know, do what you got to do. I guess he could be on the on the East Coast. So. 
Good old twelve thirty high. Wake and bake. <laughs> um, Envy Talent had this comment, Mike Davis CB4. This is a really interesting comment. If you listen to Daniel Popper on Chargers Weekly, he kind of seems to think that Davis is the fourth corner and that Callahan would be the third corner, um, which would allow them, of course, to keep Asante on the outside. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He also thinks that they're going to cut Jerry Tiller. So I, I, I don't know. Like this is the Chargers weekly appearance was a little much for me from Daniel Popper this week. Hmm. Like, I also don't know if the numbers matter as much in the cornerback room with how they're going to be deployed. Like sure. Michael Davis is still going to be on the field a lot, right? Like same with Bryce Callahan, same with Asante Samuel. So like, yeah, you can make a difference between who's CB2, who's CB3, who's CB4. But really, those four guys are going to play a lot with how Staley uses his defensive back. So I kind of think it doesn't matter. I agree with what Popper was saying before the draft is that like Michael Davis stocked down, right? Which is why he kind of like had them taking Trent McDuffie, I think, in his last and one of his last mocks. Uh, but I just, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really think Michael Davis being CB4 or, you know, where you would put him on the depth chart matters with how much he's going to be playing. Um, and I don't really view Jerry Tillery as a cut candidate either. I mean, they need another no. interior defensive line pass rusher. And if you cut him, you're relying on Morgan Fox and then probably someone you're getting on like the waiver wire or someone's, you know, a la Eric Banks from last season. So I, I don't think the Chargers are willing <laughs> to do that. I don't think there's a bunch of financial, there's a much financial incentive to cut Jerry Tillery. I think they're just keeping him this year and letting him walk. Yeah. The Jerry Tillery cut candidate trade candidate thing. I don't see that you, you got Morgan Fox. We're, we're just even assuming that Jerry Tillery is not the starter. Like he legitimately right. just could be the starter. He could be. So I don't think him going from that to like cut candidate, unless he really is throwing some sort of hissy fit or something. If there's something internally, then sure. Otherwise, there's no real trait. Like, who's going, oh, who wants Jerry Tillery? You know, it's not that simple. <laughs> you get a seventh for him. Yeah. Cool. Take a ninth round pick. Yeah, exactly. You're just like undrafted free agent pick or something like that. Like, you just <laughs> give me a priority know. waiver signing after the draft. <laughs> Pri- next year. Priority unfa signing. <laughs> yeah. Move up in the waiver wire spot or something. But no, like, and then, you know, cutting him doesn't really save them a whole lot of money. You have to bring in someone else anyway. Otito Agonia, like, he's a fifth round pick. I don't see them relying on him so much to be, you know, a a legit pass rush threat right now. As far as Michael Davis goes, I'm going to say that I think he's going to be the outside CB2. I think Asante Samuel Jr. is going to play in the slot. That's just how I see it. I think he's going to start on the outside unless he gets hurt, which, you know, (laughs) yeah, which is very possible. Yeah. But I think he's going to start on the outside. Really, because a couple of people are talking about trading Michael Davis or cutting Michael Davis. They can't cut Michael Davis. If they cut Michael Davis, they have a $9 million dead cap hit this year, and his cap hit is 9.375. So financially, that makes absolutely zero sense to cut him. Uh, yeah. If they trade him, they can save $5 million. But again, who's trading for Michael Davis in this scenario? And how much are you like? <laughs> 
is trading him for a six round pick worth saving $4 million. Like, I don't think that is the case. I think Michael Davis is a quality depth corner. And I think that's fine. Like, is he probably a little overpaid at this point? Yeah. But Mm -hmm. you know, I I think you keep him, you have him as if Tyler thinks he's the CB two, then you keep him as the CB two. I think he's the CB three just from a physical profile standpoint. It gives you a little bit more diversity to have, Asante, JC Jackson, and Michael Davis out there, but trading him, it, it's not worth the return unless you're getting like a third round pick, which that's not happening because he just had a bad season. So I, I think like, you... I, I was just gonna say, I like how we talk about our quarterbacks being like, oh, all of our quarterbacks got hurt last year and we were putting Devon Campbell and Justin Jefferson. Also, let's trade away our depth. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you right. know, that to me, that just doesn't make any sense. No, you're the most you're getting for Michael Davis at this point is like a six yeah, round pick six because he had he had a really bad season last year. He has no trade value at this moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and you have to take into consideration the contract you're taking on a big contract. So a relatively big contract, at least. So trade value is essentially nothing right now. So I think you keep Michael Davis. You have a good, deep rotation at corner and you can kind of keep your options if everybody's healthy, of course. If anybody gets injured, then you have Michael Davis, who's been a reliable CB2 in the past, who's taking games against Stephon Diggs and Darren Waller and all that stuff. And he's not cheeks. Like, he has some struggles. He was a former undrafted free agent. We need to change yeah. our expectations. It's the same thing with Sam Tevy. It's like you take these players who are late-round picks or undrafted free agents, and your expectations need to change for how you look at them. And if you're talking about Michael Davis, he was really good in 2020. The scheme change was not his, was not super favorable for him last year, which is why they went out and got JC Jackson. So he's not cheeks. You're talking about somebody who's a quality CB2, CB3. That's not cheeks or being an awful player. Can someone make audio clip outs of Steven saying cheeks repeatedly? Thank you. Um, Okay. Cheeks. (laughs) Cheeks. So, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, at this point, the other thing with Michael Davis is I just don't, yeah, he was really good in 2020. Like, I think I think people forget, like, how good he was um, and how good he still can be. I'm not saying he's yeah. going to have, like, a breakout season or anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you have, like, one game where, I don't know, you're playing the Bengals or playing the Chiefs, uh, you know, can he go one-on-one with somebody from those teams and do fairly well when they don't have him covering Byron Pringle, weirdly? Uh, yeah, they can. So I, I think that he's still really valuable to this team. I know he had a bad year last year, but I, I think people like Steven said are just kind of going overboard. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to try to bring up my good old presentation here. Uh, I did this a while ago in a different mailbag, but like Michael Davis, like first five games of the season, 33 yards a game, playing in the box, covering tight ends, made the percent completion rate his way, plays really well. It's just everything after that that game getting yeah. benched, a hamstring injury in week eight. And after that a hamstring injury, everything pops up, right? Week nine, right. whatever, 11 to 15, he finally comes back, 50 yards a game, four touchdowns allowed. If he's healthy, I really think he's the CB2. I think he legitimately can and should be the other outside CB2, which isn't a knock on Asante Samuel Jr. I just think him being in the slot would be awesome. You, you know, I think the other thing is people have to remember we play in the AFC West as well, right? And Michael Davis, one of the things he's been very good at is covering Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, like when he's been asked to. Like, he's been 
pretty good at that, uh, especially with Darren Waller. So for me, like I, I just think you're you're making yourself thinner by cutting him, and you're not getting enough value to to make that make sense. Um, so. Yeah, final thing about Michael Davis, as, as Ross points out, you know, Brandon Staley said, you know, when you're in a Gus Bradley cover three system, you're doing the same thing every single play. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, dropping into cover three with some man principles. Occasionally, you're going to shadow Stephon Diggs or, or whatever the case may be, match up with a tight end. But for probably 80% of the snaps on any given Sunday, you're doing the exact same thing. You have one responsibility. And... You come into a Brandon Staley scheme where maybe on this play you're you're kind of dropping a little bit and playing a little bit of cover two sync where you're kind of asked to do more tackling or maybe certain times you're dropping into cover four or matching up with Darren Waller, matching up with Travis Kelsey. You have so many more responsibilities in this scheme, which is a good thing, but it takes time. And you know, I, I still think that Michael Davis has a good amount of upside if he can kind of rekindle his 2020 form and improve and be more comfortable in the scheme. As every player has kind of said, you know, we've heard from Asante and Drew and Derwin about they're hitting the ground running this year, as opposed to, okay, like, what does this mean? What do I, one of my responsibilities here? You know, what, how, how are you kind of wording this? And all the players have kind of said that, you know, switching defensive schemes or offensive scheme is like learning a new language. And as someone who's learned a, a second language, it's very, very difficult. And mm-hmm. so I think you're talking about all of these players being more comfortable, improving in the scheme, and just being able to focus this year on their development and techniques as opposed to learning a foreign language and learning a new scheme. Absolutely. Arjun bringing in Stranger Things season four. Really relevant, Arjun. Thank you for contributing. <laughs> hey, man. Stranger Things is fantastic. I actually do wanted to mention this because, uh, you know, Arjun's been tweeting about it. Um, so Brooke and I went back and watched Stranger Things 3 because it came mm-hmm. out in 2019. It's been three freaking years. <laughs> and season three of Stranger Things is elite television. And I can understand people who don't like Stranger Things because the first season you're watching a bunch of little kids. Mm-hmm. But season three of Stranger Things is elite television. I have not watched started season four yet. Brooke had to work prom last night. So we're waiting to watch it together, obviously. So uh, we'll start that later today. But I'm very excited. See, I actually thought season one of Stranger Things was really good. And then season two was where it dipped for me. I never watched season three. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I probably should get back on that. But like season one was like, I binged that all like in a day. <laughs> like It was really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, season two is where it fell off. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably get back on that maybe. Yeah, I'm the same way. I heard the same thing. I watched season one. Loved it. I think everyone is a huge phenomenon. Yeah. And then season two came out. I'm like, okay, it's kind of the same thing. And then I just figured, eh. Um, But then again, I heard season three is amazing. So I'll have to get back on that to get back on the fourth season. Right. I I still got to finish Severance. I got to finish Better Call Saul. I got to finish Barry. Got a lot of stuff to go through. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone anyone has watched the uh, mid-season finale of Better Call Saul's final season, that is absolutely insane. Uh, So I, 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 I implore anyone to go watch it. Yeah, Tyler, I know Alex is, isn't into this stuff, but have you watched the Obi-Wan show yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, right. I saw the one clip from the Obi-Wan show where the camera is shaky and they do a lightsaber fight. <laughs> That's all I saw from it. In like one of the opening scenes or something. That's all I saw. Whenever yeah. Hayden shows up, I'm, I'm cool with it. 
Well, you'll have to let me know what uh, what happens. But Stranger Things would definitely recommend uh, getting back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the boys? I've I've seen some people talk oh, about that's that on Twitter. So good. That's the Amazon one with the fake superheroes or something like that. Yeah. I know. Um, crap! I I always forget his name in real life, but he plays Gus in mm-hmm. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, He's in that. John Carlos Esposito. Yeah, John Carlos Esposito. Thank you. Isn't that funny how we always associate actors with like one role and then that's who they are forever? Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like he's been in a lot of things recently, though. He was in Star Wars. He was in the mm-hmm. Far Cry video yeah. game. He's been in like a lot. Yeah. I think he actually produces some of the Marvel stuff, too. Oh, really? Oh, wait. No, I okay. I know who you're talking about. That's like, frick, who is it? It's not him, but it's, it's a very similar name. I know oh, what okay. you mean, though. Yeah, I forget. Um, yeah, The Boys is awesome. It, it's a rated R, raunchy, violent superhero show. It's Janine and I love it. We love that show. Same with Barry, which is amazing. Uh, where do I watch The Boys at? Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is that the one? What's that guy's name? Carl Urban, I think his name yes. is. Yes. 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 He's uh, in that. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about John Carlos Esposito really quick is that in watching Better Call Saul, it's you do have to suspend a little bit disbelief about it being a prequel and be like, oh, Bob Odenkirk looks like 10 years older than this. Than it Breaking Bad. <laughs> um, same with uh, Jonathan Banks. Mike from Breaking Bad looks like, yeah. oh, God, he looks so old. But John Carlos Esposito looks exactly the same. Yeah. Love that guy. Uh, interesting question from uh, Steven. I always love jersey questions. If you could assign our alternate jerseys to specific games this season, which games Ooh. would you guys choose? I want to see the Navy in prime time. So I want to see okay. them go Navy with, you know, against the Broncos or against the Rams maybe. Mm. But I think we need more Navy in our lives, and I want to see it on a primetime game. I remember being so hyped in 2020 because they were going to wear the Navy jerseys to Buffalo. And I was like, yeah, Tyrod Taylor revenge game. <laughs> um, let me check that. That was the game where Michael Davis clamped Stefan Diggs, though. That, that was the only See? good thing from that game. <laughs> that was also the game where they called a quarterback sneak on oh, fourth and one from the two. Was that line. was that the Joshua Kelly jet sweep game also? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. It was. Geez. Oh, that's stinky. Um, Man, we gotta we gotta get some better juju around the Navy jerseys. The, the past years have not been great performances. <laughs> what were the other two years? Or what were the two games? Last year was the Patriots game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which Sweet. it wasn't a terrible game by any means, but it was definitely a letdown. Um, they just do, or they do two Navy games. I think they did too. I just can't think of who the other one was. Was it like Giants or something I weird? Miss. They did. They did one color and one. one I think color Giants one was Navy. Royal Blue. Gi- Gi- Giants was Color Rush. Uh, Patriots was Navy. Okay. Mm. Um, and then other than that, it was just all whites, white or blue with different combos of pants. Yeah. Now they've leaned, they've leaned into the white and powder blue, which I you know I can't fault them. I think the all white looks yep. amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But I need more. I need more navy in my life. I think having seen all of the new combinations in person, I think the navy is my favorite one. I'd love to see 
color rush like week two Thursday night football uh, against like the Chiefs or something. I think that would be that'd be a fun one. Um, other than that, I uh, don't have too many jersey opinions. Wear them when they wear them. Yeah, give me like mid two thousands sort of Chargers jerseys for one game. You mean like the old Ladanian mm-hmm. Tomlinsons or something? Oh yeah. Not, not, not that they're called that, but you know, like just that particular, not late two thousands, but like that nice dark yeah. color. I think starting next year they can match the helmets, the helmets too. So yeah. that'll be fun to have. You know, I don't think that they would do a powder blue helmet, but you know, getting no. like a navy helmet for that one yeah. game or a powder or a royal color rush royal, royal color rush for that one game. Is the color rush yeah. your favorite, Alex? uh of the alternates yeah uh, i like color rush better than the navy i okay. see i'm kind of i don't want to poo poo on the navy but you like I the old navies i do i like the old mm-hmm. navies where yeah it kind of had the the white lines on it i i do i like that one a little bit more um i don't know something always bothered me about the bolt being translucent as well and i know that's supposed to be minimalist and sleek but I do kind of like the old ones better. I don't. I don't know what people think about that, but um, I do still like them. But I, I am higher on the color rushes. Where are you ranking um, all yellow, Alex? <laughs> Fucking garbage tier. I, I remember. I, I remember. I saw Stephen at the draft wearing the yellow thirty-three that I choked my like three-game lead to him in week eighteen, and I was like. I hey, can't man. believe I let this happen. Everybody, <laughs> everybody at the draft and everybody in the comments loves the yellow. So the yellow jersey sucks. I'm sorry. No, no, yellow cannot be a primary color for a jersey under any. Oh, as a primary color, absolutely. No. If you do all yellow, like Oregon yeah. will wear an all yellow from time to time, oh, and it just God. looks absolutely yeah. hideous. But like I think the Chargers they, it, yellow, I think as a fan, just wearing like a yellow jersey oh, looks good. Yeah, like it's not terrible as a fan. I just personally wouldn't wear a yellow jersey. And if they if they ever try to make that an alternate that they wear on the field, I will I will rail against it. I <laughs> But we'll see. I think if you put it with like white pants and the white helmet, I think it wouldn't look too bad. But yeah, if you do yellow jersey, yellow pants, it would look absolutely awful. Yeah. Someone's saying we. Isn't the yellow jersey, yellow pants with the Rams did in like 2016 for their color rush when they were. Yeah, it was their color rush. Oh, God. Someone Which, says we missed a super chat. We technically already talked about mm-hmm. this. To be cut or trade Tillery seems like the odd man out. I uh, we, we did already talk about this. Uh, I think he's neither cut nor traded. Neither I cut think, nor traded. Yeah. I, I was just about to point this out, so I uh, appreciate you pulling it up, Tyler. But, um, yeah, he's not, he's going to be on the roster. Ideally, he's not a starter. Yeah. Um, Egregious Monk, right above theory, asked a question about tr- potentially trading for Marquez Callaway. Uh, of course, obviously played in the Saints. He's cheap on a rookie deal steal. Uh, what did you think about trading a late round pick or a 2024 pick for somebody like that? Um, so first of all, I have to look at his, his history. Does he have any history with Lombardi? Yeah, he, he's been in the same. He's been on the Saints for like the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia says, but he didn't really ever play a ton until this past season. Mm-hmm. So before that, it was more Traquan Smith. He did go to Tennessee, so there's like 42 coaches with the Tennessee connection. Um, there you go. I, I, 
I don't like sure. I'm sure. I I don't think they're going to make those moves. Yeah. Um, what is the Saints? What's their receiving core situation? So it's it's Olave, it's Callaway, it's the. I think they re-signed Trey Smith. Yeah, they re-signed the the small guy, uh, Lil Jordan Harris. I want to say his name is, or Humphrey maybe. Little Jordan Harris. No, it's actually his name. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, his actual whoops. name is like Lil Jordan. Oh, jeez. There's a Lil Jordan Humphrey. Lil Jordan Humphrey. Okay. That's not a Saints guy. Wow. He was on our team. Yeah, I didn't Look watch much her. Saints last year. So, um, yeah, Beyonce Harris. I believe that's their. That's him. Yeah. Five, the only, Holy Lord. The only Saints game I remember from last year was the one where Jameis tore his ACL and they uh, still won. And then the one where Trevor Simeon beat Tom Brady. <laughs> was that one of them too? Uh, yeah. Those are the only two I really remember. So our lads has, they signed Jarvis Landry. Forgot about that. Um, oh. So they have Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis as their starting trio. Then they'll have Marquez Calloway and Traquan Smith. Deontay Harris is, so I, I would imagine they keep those six. Um I mean, maybe you could convince him to, to trade Marquez Callaway. I'd be fine with it. I don't know if he's necessarily. Right. Then you're getting into the conversation of like, well, okay, well, do they keep six? Do they keep five? Do they really want another body in that room? You know, I, so I, I think you'd have to be talking about a deep third who's better than Jalen Guyton. And I don't mm -hmm. know if Marquez Callaway is that. Yeah, and also, I mean, the thing about them trading receivers, I mean, you're relying a lot on Michael Thomas in that instance, and the guy hasn't played football for a year and a half now. Is that where we're kind of at? Like, so I don't know. He was on my fantasy team for a while and then didn't play. <laughs> then your fantasy team and didn't play. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, he's been injured. You're relying on a guy who got surgery late um so I, to me i would not trade marcus callaway in the same way that we just talked about like not trading michael davis because other guys could get injured like i i don't think you should like purposely remove your depth um yeah. like to me that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if the chargers would want to go for it i think they could honestly i think the chargers are pretty set at receiver at this point i mean you have keenan mike palmer guyton and uh, obviously deandre carter and i think they all do something different Right. Like, I don't I don't think Guyton and Callaway would be redundant, but I think in the Chargers eyes, I don't know if they would want to forfeit a pick to kind of just like have another Guyton. Not that Callaway is not necessarily, but like I, I think they're the five guys they have right now are pretty clearly defined in their roles. Yeah. Callaway uh, behind of... Keenan Allen in yards after the catch per reception. So. Oh shit! That's, that's how good he is at that. <laughs> so he's he's just like Olave. They certainly have a type. Um, yeah. No kidding. Double Olaves. All right. Demetrius had kind of a follow up question here, and I wanted to talk about it. So he asked, "How many deep shots should be expected this season from Herbert and our offense?" I think it'll certainly go up, but you know he was on the Ringer podcast with Stephen Reese, Kevin Clark, and and Benjamin Solak. And if you haven't listened to that interview, I think. It is well worth the time. It's my favorite Justin Herbert interview I've heard so far. Um, and they asked him about like his mentality with with taking shots deep, and and he, you know, paraphrasing, kind of said like you have to be selective and smart. So mm -hmm. I think you know Joe Lombardi took a lot of heat last year for the lack, per, you know, the perceived lack of deep shots. 
But I think part of that is a the offensive line not being able to hold up, and b Justin just kind of being a more calculated risk taker than we all think that he is. And you know, I think you know if you're talking about like comparing him to Josh Allen or Justin Fields or Patrick Mahomes, those guys are all like big game hunters. Like they want to chuck the ball deep as many times as possible. And I just don't think that Justin has that same kind of mentality. So I think there will be more. I think his yards per attempt and all that stuff and ADOT will go up this year. But I'm not expecting like a drastic change to him, you know, just destroying everybody every single week with 60-yard bombs. So Mm -hmm. I think people kind of need to temper their expectations here. But I do think it will increase next season. It's Yeah. I think it'll I think it'll increase. I mean, the other thing to consider here too is like if your running game is better, which I mean we expect their sure. running game to be better with Eckler and now Isaiah Spiller uh, as RB two, that probably means there's like more second downs you're running on than like being forced to pass, right? So you know I think that gives them a little bit more versatility there. So if we're just talking about the number of deep shots they take, I think it'll increase depending on of course how healthy the offensive line stays if it does go south kind of quickly for the offensive line it could be less but i don't think it'll be drastically more either yeah it's so funny to look at the deep passing that with the difference between last year or the previous year his rookie year and this year is 67 deep shots in 2020 uh 64 deep shots in 2021 everyone's freaking out about that uh, big time throw percentage went from 28.9 to 28.8. Yeah. Uh, real, you know, average depth of target actually went up for Justin Herbert. So it, it should increase. I just don't know. Like, oh, we're going to get back to throwing it deep. It's like it was kind of the same. It wasn't really all that much different yeah. than 2020. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this time, I think he, the, the line's going to hold up or he'll be more comfortable throwing to Jalen Guyton, who was wide open several times, waving his arm, and they just could not get the ball to him. So hopefully yeah. they can do that more this year. I mean, yeah, you're talking also, about an op- an offense that was top five in the league last year, and that should continue to be the expectation. So I understand deep passes are a lot of fun, and Justin Herbert is fantastic at that, but I, I think I care much more about the quality of the offense improving and, you know, can we be more consistent each week? You know, are we going to have games last like last year where the offense just kind of stinks like they did against the Ravens or like they mm-hmm. did against the Patriots for the first half? Like, that's really what I care more about is the consistency as opposed yeah. to like, oh, are we getting seven deep shots a game? Like, I'm going to throw a fit if that's not the case. It's like, I just want a consistent unit this year. And I think that, again, you know, talking about the second year in a system, this is where I think that comes into play, where everybody kind of feels comfortable with their assignments, comfortable with the additions and the improvements. And the other thing with like dot and things like that is that the Chargers do so many run pass options on a game to game basis that mm-hmm. you know Justin Herbert is likely never going to lead the league in a dot because they do mm-hmm. you know 10 short passing concepts just based off of run calls so i think that's the other thing to take in, into consideration here too true yeah and Vital mentions the drops too like geez like how many more how much better will it be just because i hope yeah. the drops go down funny thing though is that the chargers offense last year averaged more points per drive than the 2006 offense, which everyone assumes is like some peak Chargers offense, because you know Ladainian Tomlinson that whole season. Uh, no, nope, Char- Chargers average more points per drive 
this past year in the first year of an offense where everyone wants to fire the coordinator than they did in the 2006 offense or any year of offense that Rivers had after that. Yeah, and I also think we talked about last show, just Justin Herbert being in this system for another year. I mean, that's probably just going to be lead him to be more equipped to take some of those deep shots as well and feel more Absolutely. comfortable in doing it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's anything to overreact to. All right, a couple more questions here. Um, I saw I saw the, the Utah questions. I saw the Utah slander. I will oh, not stand for this. <laughs> well, um, bring it, pull up the Utah slander. Wanted to get to one question first uh, from Envy. Again, he wants to know how confident we are in Ryan Ficken to turn this special teams unit around. Yeah, I mean, I think he did really good last year with the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, kind of got Kane and Wongwu going there. I mean, turned around their special teams as a whole. Um, you know, I guess the the interesting thing is I don't know if they have like a lot they have to turn around, right? They sort of made the marginal improvement last year. I mean, we did get on this show sometimes and we're like, okay, they went from 32nd to 31st and we talked about it like we had won the Super Bowl um, <laughs> when it came to special teams rankings. Yeah, But you have the kicker there, which I mean is a huge part of it. And having Dustin Hopkins, who's going to be 80% field goal kicker, right? Like the fact that you have that now or, or more um, is huge. If you can just get a punter at this point, you're kind of okay, right? And I know they're obviously they moved on from Ty Long. You know, maybe it'll be J.K. Scott, maybe it'll be someone else. But if you can get a quality punter and the blocking holds up, like I don't think there's a whole lot you have to do to go from you know bottom of the league to top of the league, right? And they're kind of subbing in Andre Roberts for DeAndre Carter, which. I think at this point is like more or less the same with DeAndre Carter having more of a role in the offense. So I'm fine with that. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty confident based on what they've assembled so far that so long as the punter situation kind of withstands, then the special teams will be fine. Yeah. I don't have any concerns right now with Ryan Ficken turning the special teams around. He's just, I think Darius Swinton could have turned the special teams around if he just had the same players made the right decisions at the beginning of the year or yeah. already had Andre Roberts, already had Dustin Hopkins at the beginning of the year, I think they would be like in the 20, like True. early 20s, I guess. So I think same thing with Ficken. Even if he sucks at his job, I think for the most part, just having the right guys here is going to make the special teams, you know, better. Uh, to me, really with yeah. Ficken, it's all about the end. It's the back end of the roster decisions. That's more important to me this year, considering what happened last year, than even really just fixing special teams. Like, can you make sure that the right guys stick on the roster rather than make some very fireable decisions, which got Swinton fired in the end. Yeah, I think you know everything we've heard come out about Swinton and that decision to move on from him is that you know he did have some say in roster decisions, and uh, Brandon Staley obviously didn't like the way that those things panned out. So, uh, of course, Brandon Staley could have stepped up in, in those situations, but you know Darius Swinton, you're heading into the season, and your plan is KJ Hill at punt returner and. Larry Roundtree at kick returner, like that's also, you know, like what are you doing? If Brandon Staley would have listened to the podcast, he would have overruled that decision. But uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right. Now we'll talk about my University of Utah. Oh, JM God. said, who wins the Pac 12? The answer is that the University of Utah is going to repeat again. They are completely stacked. They have the best offense they have had in the longest time. Cam Rising is the best quarterback in the conference not that guy at USC. 
Uh, so the answer here is US. The, the answer is not USC. Is not Oregon who's going through a coaching change. The answer is Utah. What's what's the bet here if it's not them? Can what's I just the bet? The field like Utah versus the field here. <laughs> I mean, if you want to do that, you can do Utah versus the field. I don't Utah, follow the uh, USD enough to even tell you. What if okay? <laughs> what if we make the bet that if Utah doesn't win the Pac-12, Stephen has to eat like a you know a, a large serving of funeral potatoes as he records the show. <laughs> <laughs> Like the biggest portion we can find, and he just has to talk through while he's eating. <laughs> That's the bad. Something like that. I guess I have to eat a whole pan of Peter potatoes. <laughs> and we and only me and Tyler can tell him if he's allowed to stop or not. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Uh, I don't have any Pac-12 opinions. I don't stay up for Pac-12 games. Uh, so I, yeah, it's too late for my bedtime. <laughs> Yeah, the the new Pac-12 commissioner is is changing that a little bit. Um, hope so. <laughs> hope so. You know, they've they've got a couple of few you know mid afternoon primetime games this year on Fox and things like that. So, should be better. Good good luck. I I hope Utah wins. I have I really don't have a horse in this race. I just root for the local team. But go Utah. I hope they win it. It makes you happy. <laughs> NSN said Stephen has to write a complimentary article about Pipkins and Norton if Utah loses. That's a punishment. <laughs> uh, I mean, should the Pro Bowl have a pie eating contest? See, we always end up on food. Does the Pro Bowl <laughs> should the Pro Bowl have a pie eating contest for O line and D lineman? You know, I in terms of the Pro Bowl, I do hope that they get rid of it. For the sole fact that that would mean that Justin Herbert was the last Pro Bowl MVP. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Jeopardy question. Um, I also like how I spelled it Pro Bowl, uh, which is what the Pro Bowl has been recently. Uh, you have an eating contest, it will be Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, just have fun with it. Do what the, I mean, the dunk contest has sucked in the NBA recently, but do like, do like the, whatever the football equivalent of like the three point contest and all that stuff would be. I feel like that'd be fun. Maybe, maybe show the kickers some love. Uh, you can have Dustin Hopkins and all those guys have like a field goal kicking contest. Um, I'm just trying to think of things, uh, maybe wide receiver jump ball competition. I don't know. It, the thing with the Pro Bowl and like the reason they had to cancel it is like no one no one wants to play that game at the end of the season. Like the All Star game yeah. and all, all the All Star games are like <laughs> mid season. So I don't know. Just have yeah. fun with it. Go go crazy. It, 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 then they just make it dodgeball. Just make all these guys playing dodgeball the new Pro Bowl like they've been doing. Like I don't know. Yeah, but the Pro Bowl Pro Bowl had to go. Yeah, I feel like if you're gonna going to ask them to play a football game. Like, I mean, the Chargers players that went waited, they had to wait like a whole month to play that Pro Bowl game yeah. after the season ended. So people mm -hmm. just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, I think if you're if you're going to change it and do things like this, you know, make it happen, you know, the Saturday right after the season, you do some like seven on seven stuff and um, you can have the linemen play receivers and do some things like that. Lindsay Jones meant, did mention for the athletics. She mentioned in, in her article about it, she thought doing like having the kickers play horse, you know, have like specific targets up in the field goal range and like have them play horse as kickers would be a fun thing. 
Yeah. And, you know, again, you don't really get to see much of any of the kickers in the Pro Bowl, which is, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad, depending on who you are. And like this year, the punter like literally never went on the field and like he was mic'd up for <laughs> it. And I want to say it was the Raiders punter. Um, but just make it more of a competition in certain ways, I guess, would be more fun. But yeah. the game itself is is not going to be entertaining anytime soon. Just have the Pro Bowl nominees play basketball instead. Like, do, <laughs> do something to break out of the rotation because they don't want to play football. It's too physical. No one cares at the end of the year. Just let them have fun. Just have, let them do something they like. Yeah. Give me... Yeah, someone says uh, Young Hui Ku would do backflip kicks for horse. Um, yeah. I endorse that. Uh, flag football? No, maybe. I want to see like paintball or something like unrelated, but it's still a team sport. Just have like paintball. <laughs> and have like Donald Parham, like everything be like six foot two for coverage. And he just has to try to duck behind things that are way too short for him. Just have like Justin Herbert play Tom Brady in chess or something. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Just do something. Yeah. I mean, they do a little bit of a quarterback competition with like the moving targets and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I remember yeah. like back in the old days in Hawaii, they have like legitimate competitions. Oh, yeah. You know, there's that that thing that the Chargers used to always do with the Saints when they would do joint practices mm-hmm. where they would have like a very specific drill. Like just get yeah. that drill with all the quarterbacks. I think that'd be more entertaining than what they do now with it. Oh, yeah. Someone said ping pong, and I said said ping pong. That'd be funny. Justin Herbert said on the Ringer podcast that him and all his teammates are starting to play pickleball. Have you have you ever you guys played pickleball before? Is is pickleball the one? Is pickleball the one where you hit the ball against the wall? No, no, no. That's um, which one's that? I can't remember what that's called right now. With like the talking about handball inside. No, the one where you have it's like the sport the old guys play where they like. They have the oh, oh the I know what you mean. Um, I don't know inside, right? I've literally yeah. done this before. I can't even think of what I'm... I don't know what, what that's called. So <laughs> Why can't let us know called? in the chat. I, I don't know what it's called either. Like, What is pickleball, though? So pickleball is, is basically mini tennis. Uh, it's like oh. squash. Is, is squash oh, the one you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. Racquetball. Racquetball. That racquetball. Racquetball. That's the one. Racquetball. Okay. Um, but pickleball is basically mini ball tennis. Ball. Like it's it's at an actual tennis court and you're just mm. doing mini tennis. So mm. it's not as hard to like hit the ball over the net consistently. You don't have to cover as much ground. And mm. Justin Herbert was saying that he and all of his teammates are starting to play pickleball too. And I'm like, that's kind of unfair because Justin Herbert is six seven and has crazy <laughs> long arms. Like he doesn't have to move at all to play that sport. I like how the solution to the Pro Bowl is play anything other than football. <laughs> <laughs> that's really the solution that we're going for here. And yeah, I mean, I do think that's actually the right decision. <laughs> yeah, much better for your knees. It absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, all right, so we were here for you know an hour and eight minutes. Appreciate all the good questions. Somehow we always end up on stuff like this, so really appreciate it. Um, Alex, any final thoughts before you head into those finals next week? Uh, I have no thoughts. My brain is dead. <laughs> Tyler, hope you have a really good vacation, man. Enjoy Hawaii. You and uh, Janae deserve a, a wonderful vacation. So uh, yep. any final thoughts, dude? No, I'm getting out of here. See you guys. Uh, enjoy your week. I will have a couple of videos up just because, but otherwise I will be gone in Hawaii if I don't come back because I liked it so much. I decided not to return. Yeah. Okay. So obviously we are not doing an episode tomorrow or Monday because of the holiday, 
Um, I will have an episode at some point, probably with Kyle or Arjun or both or Maddie. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Somebody else will uh, be here with me. And then um, we'll be back to three of us for the week after that for uh, normal episodes. And then we'll be having a little bit of a break in general. So lots of uh, fun stuff in terms of non-football things coming up for each of us. Alice will be back in the States soon enough as he uh, yep. gets back on his summer vacation. So really looking forward to that. As always, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you later.